Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Today, we are joined by Daniel Martinez, and he is ready to share with us a lot of his insights and thoughts on how to live a successful and enriched life. And so uh, excited for him to share. So uh, Daniel, you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Sure, sure. So I'm an entrepreneur for four years. Originally was a truck driver, actually started a trucking company, and that was my first endeavor into entrepreneurship. Trucking company eventually pivoted into software and real estate and data. And that's where I kind of am my realm now. But it's been an interesting journey. I started a podcast and kind of go a lot in a lot of different directions. And I like to contribute back to the community because I'm a product of software. So, or not I'm a product of podcasting, should I say. So I like giving back to the community now that I'm, I'm kind of contribute in my own way. So it's kind of my own way of giving back to the community. How did you get into software, data, et cetera? I, I fell into it, me personally, because I'm originally a truck driver. It's like truck driver, software, data doesn't, doesn't seem like a normal path. But when you get out from working a job, and I'm sure many of listeners have done that already, opportunity represents presents itself in front of you in a lot of different ways. And sometimes you need to pivot. So I ended up pivoting into real estate and then software opportunity presented itself in front of me. So now we're doing software, real estate, and then data. So it's kind of one of those things where you're kind of already in that path and stuff just appears in front of you. And you don't know really know where you're going to end up. What was the thought process of the framework for you getting into real estate? It was out of necessity, man. Desperation. <laughs> Desperation. I, I learned a lot in business my first two years. And it was that all there's not all good profitable businesses and not all good and profitable businesses shouldn't be run by me. And that was a lesson I learned. So it was one of those things where I was... I still like, I enjoyed being an entrepreneur, but my business, my first business that I went down wasn't necessarily profitable as I wanted it to be. So I had to pivot into something else. Nice. And I guess what, where does your passion take you today? A lot of different things you're working on. A lot of it. I think my, my really passion right now is just podcasting. I like giving back to the community. I like doing stuff like this. I'm just informing people that there's, there's freedom and a potentially light at the end of the tunnel, no matter where you're struggling currently, whether you're in business or not. Nice. And how does, so you started podcasting. How do you make podcasting, you know, viable to support the family? It's more of a passion project, man. It's given back to, to people that want to learn and learn about business and real estate and all that type of things. It's more of a passion project for me. It's not really, I hope it brings money in the future, but it's more of a passion project. I'm sure we can get paid money off it, residuals off of the businesses and all the stuff we do, but it's one of those things where like everybody when I first started business, I really didn't have any mentors or things I did at that time to kind of help me through my business endeavor and mentorship and learning and listening to people that have been through your, through the steps you've already planning to go to or you're going through at that moment can really help shortcut a lot of those struggles that you might face. Nice. So diving into our main question, right? Once you reach that point of profitability and cash flow, and you had money coming in, you know, what was the strategic framework that you used in terms of, you know, where to allocate it, where to put it? And uh, how did you choose, you know, what to do? I'm crazy. Like most entrepreneurs, I bet on myself and you put it back in marketing. And a lot of people, it's not a wrong thing to do. And like, I, I'm still like, even now, like I put myself on like a base salary where like, I, I don't even make that much, but everything's going back as a machine and machine just produces more money. So it's one of those things where like money is just, 
something you need monthly to live off of and everything else you just put it right back into marketing. I had a, I had a podcast guest uh, host gasp me this last maybe two day, three days ago. And he's like, what would you do if you had a million dollars? Where would you put it? I'm like, I put it in marketing because I know I can, I have the ability and knowledge to make more. So it's one of those things I'm just going to, I'm going to better myself and put it in marketing. How do you know at what point marketing reaches a, a level where, you know, the returns aren't necessarily there and a shift into investing in something else or a different part of the business, you know, makes more sense. That's a hard question. And I think it, it's going to vary for individual based on their business and ROI and all that stuff. It's a very valuable question. So like sometimes passive income is better than earned income because you might not have to work physically work for it. And it's one of those things where I, I do real estate too. So I'm like, I can always, like everybody's always trying to put it in real estate. So I'm in the business where you put it in real estate. So it's one of those things where like, I'm already in the right niche to allocate those funds. So I just put it back into what I'm already doing. So for me, it's a no brainer. For other people, it might be a struggle to where to put it. And that's the short answer. <laughs> so as you're looking at, let's say you've got an incremental dollar that's coming in and you do, you put it in marketing versus real estate. How do you determine which one gets the dollar? Right now, everything just goes into marketing because marketing produces more real estate because I'm marketing towards real estate. So we just put it into marketing and marketing produces real estate dollars and real estate itself. So for me, like that's an easy question, but for other people, it might be a struggle because they might know their, they might, they might have a different business or business model where they might need to allocate other funds into rental properties and maybe it's stock market into getting dividends and cash and crypto and all that other stuff. So they might have other, other things to put it into, but me, I'm always just going to put it into real estate. I don't think it'll ever change. <laughs> when you say you're going to put it into real estate, does that mean your business is in the business of real estate and that's where you're investing? Yes, that's exactly it. So I do a different business. So I do real estate. I'm working on a deal right now to build a storage complex. So I do physical real estate. I do land deals where we buy and sell land. We do software. We have a software company where we help businesses automate their business as a software company. And then I have a data business where we provide leads to people that do marketing like in real estate to get more real estate transactions. So it kind of circles into each other where it snowballs, where I have three different businesses, but they're all around the same niche. Which one drives more kind of value? I mean, real estate, the real estate business, of course, is going to drive value. The software brings us more real estate because people are doing, you're using the software to do real estate. So it brings us more real estate. So it all coincides with each other. And then if they need the tools, to get more real estate, they use the data company and the software company, which brings us more real estate. So it's kind of like a, my left hand feeds the right hand, which goes in my back pocket and everything kind of self-services each other. <laughs> Do you find that one client uses multiple services for you then? Yeah, hundred percent. I have clients that use two or three services and we're working on the real estate side with them with the transactions. So they might be working on all three sides of my businesses in some way. So I'm making money from the start to the middle to the end in some cases. What's the what's the primary entry point for these guys into your business? So it depends what they're trying to do. So everybody, if everybody's listening and wanting to real estate, it's just marketing. Every business, no matter what business niche you're in, you should be a marketing company. So you need to acquire leads, convert those leads to convert into dollars, which pays your employees, pays yourself. And you put some of that money back into marketing to convert more leads, convert dollars, and the circles right back into the system again. So you always have to have that process in place. So my software company 
helps people automate their marketing marketing in general. So most businesses use an average of 20 different, over like 25 different systems just to operate their business. So what's the system? It could be texting platform, website platform. It could be their, their phone, email, Zapier. They might have a payment processor. They might have Excel spreadsheets they use. They might have all these different things that kind of are out there that they use, but don't talk to each other. So what my, what my software does is it kind of brings everything in-house together. That way they communicate and anything that isn't in-house can be connected to it. That way it communicates in some fashion. So is it a effectively a CRM type system? Then? It's a marketing. Yeah, it's a marketing CRM. That's what it is. But it does a lot more stuff than, than just a regular CRM because we do invoicing, websites, texting, emailing, backend automations with that. And then we hook up with Zapier as well. We have mobile apps all platforms and then it kind of interconnects all your things so we have over 300 clients right now 12 of them have had six figure months or more so we're at four percent of our clients have made over 100k a month very cool what's the most exciting thing that you're working on today that gets you excited when you wake up i think it's the power of influence man helping people make more money i think if because it's having the ability to impact more people than you ever than you'll ever speak to so the business I'm in, I really enjoy doing it because I help people make more money, which impacts their employees, their potential clients, the people they service, their families, and it goes on infinitely. And it really brings in an internal joy for me to help people make more money. Is there a certain area that helping them gives you, you know, a bigger boost? It's uh, freeing up their time. It's freeing up time. Everybody, everybody thinks they need their, their solopreneur. I, I control everything and it's only going to be done by me because I'm the best that's going to do this thing. And it's one of those things where if you can outsource and automate, you can really let go of those things and really have the freedom to do what you want and enjoy life versus actually working it. If you were going to give advice to you know an entrepreneur who is you know growing their company, getting to that point of profitability, you know what, what would the one or two things be that you would leave them? Let go outsource and hire a lot of people they get stuck in that that small business mindset of i'm the best person to do this job and i'm not going to let it go there's things that there's a quote by rockefeller it says i'd rather have a hundred one percent of a hundred people's efforts than a hundred percent of mine so it's letting go of that responsibility and being okay with letting them mess up it might cost you some money it might cost you some dollars it might cost you a client Back up your employees, let your employees mess up, let them let them grow and let them give them the power to grow in, into a position where they they have the confidence to do better and pay them accordingly too. How do you manage that as a you know an entrepreneur who's just reaching that point, right? Do you invest in the people first to outsource? Do you invest in marketing? Do you invest in technology? Kind of how do you how do you frame that up? I think you do systems first because some my whole thing is automate before you delegate because you might not have to delegate it at all. So if you can automate that whole position, I was on a call this morning and they're like, Oh, I'm going to, they had their assistant on the call. I'm like, oh, they're going to do this, this, and this. And I created a system where she wasn't even needed. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you're fired. And they're like joking around like, yeah, you're fired. Like it's one of those things where like, you might not have to put that person in that position. If you can automate that whole process where you only need to put people where people are needed versus where you might think they are needed. So it's, it's making sure, and, it's, and systems are always going to work better than people because people are flawed. They, they mess up. 
stuff happens. So if it's a process that can be automated, find a way to automate it and let that thing go. And then once you have majority of your, of your process automated, put people in to fill those spaces where you need people physically. And that's how you have the ability to grow and scale because you can always scale automation and then people, you just hire more people as you grow. What was the biggest resource for you in transitioning into you know entrepreneurship and being successful in your current companies, right? Obviously, some of it you said was necessitated and some of it was the opportunity right in front of you. But as you've evolved and developed, what do you think has been the, the thing that's been most impactful for your success? Time freedom is priceless, like controlling my output. And it's priceless because you actually get to live life versus just be here. And like when you're an employee, you're just stuck. And I think solopreneurs kind of fall into this sometimes too, is they're kind of stuck in that cog and they can't get out. And they're still like, I need to work more hours to make more money. And like, no, 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 you need systems and people to outsource and then enjoy the freedom of living life versus actually participating fully and not actually living it. At what point did you realize the impact or importance of time freedom for you? Man, this is a crazy story too, but I actually went into entrepreneurship to spend more time with my kids. So I actually quit my job when my wife had my first child and I haven't been to work ever since. I haven't worked for anybody else. So it was one of those things where like, I wanted to go down the entrepreneurship path to have time freedom. And it wasn't necessarily about the money. It was more of the freedom you can do with it. So like, I just came back from a family vacation with my family. My brother's like, I got to get two weeks off or I only have these two weeks off and I can't do anything else for the next six months. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. And I'm like, okay, there's no, there's no time restraint. Like my wife's like, can we go here on the way back? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Don't matter to me. <laughs> That's one of those things where you have the, you have the freedom and ability to do what you want when you want to, without having to ask, having to ask anybody for permission. So how did you decide that that was important to make that decision for you? Right? Like was was there some catalyst that came up that said like, you know, Hey, I want to make sure that this is, you know, how I live my life. Yes. hundred percent. And I think you have to find your why hundred percent. So for me, my dad was, a, was a provider. A lot of people's dads that are, that grew up in the seventies and eighties were providers. They just were, they, they were, were hardworking. So my dad was an immigrant and he worked tons and tons of hours. And I missed my relationship with my father because he worked so much. So I wanted to find a work-life balance because I wanted to spend some more time with my kids than my dad's been with me. So it was more of a more of an internal battle that I've had and I wanted to make that decision when I did have kids. So when I found out my wife was pregnant, I kind of went down that path and I was kind of creating that life I wanted to live based off the life I grew up in. And no offense, no, 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 no shade to my dad. My dad was a provider, took care of us. It was just one of the things that he would work, commute, eat, sleep, and that was his life for 30 years. Are there any other thoughts or nuggets that resonate with you that you want to share with the audience that we haven't covered yet? Yes. Automate before you delegate is uh, that's one of my, I made that one up. And the other one is you build your own infamy off the content you produce. And I say that because a lot of people, I've seen it before. If you start producing content and start providing information to the world, the world reciprocates and, and like substantiates infamy towards you. So if you want to be infamous and, and create a legacy that lives beyond you, you start producing content. That's, that's the best thing I can tell you. What sort of context content is important to create that infamy? I don't think it matters what type of content. There's producers and there's consumers. If you're a producer, you put yourself on that side of the producing side. If you're a consumer, that's just 99% of the population, you're just a consumer. 
So once you start producing, it doesn't matter what you produce. And a lot of people think, oh, it's not perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. As long as you're producing, you're separating yourself from everybody else who consumes. And you produce and make the world a better place by producing content. Nice. If the listeners want to connect back with you, Daniel, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. We have a public Facebook group, HiveMind CRM on, on Facebook. We also do like a real estate course too for a dollar. If you want to learn how to make six, six figures on one deal in real estate, you can text us at 210-972-1842. Just text the keyword course, C-O-U-R-S-C. And uh, check out our free Facebook group. We provide a lot of value there and all on our other channels. We're HiveMind CRM on all channels. If any social media platform out there, we're on it producing content. You can check us out, HiveMind CRM. Awesome, Daniel. Appreciate the time today. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 